It is uh, such a privilege and an honor always to just share a word with you today. <clears throat> today it is, and it just feels a bit different today. And uh, instead of teaching and preaching something that many of you in this room know a lot about, um, I want to focus on the house of the Lord, which is us. It's a bunch of hearts, which we learned about last week, and a bunch of hearts coming together as the house of God, and especially in this time, what that can look like and has the potential to look like. But before I get into that, I've asked um, Tanya to come and read the word, a passage of scripture, and uh, we're going to be reading from the Passion Translation, because it is so powerful the way this passage is um, described and explained. And so even if you want to close your eyes, you don't have to look, you have the scripture reference to go back to, but just close your eyes this morning and just receive the word, the revelation of the word today. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your living word. Spirit, may you speak. It says a life of freedom. At last, we have freedom. For Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. I, Paul, tell you, if you think there is benefit in circumcision and Jewish regulations, then you're acting as though Christ is not enough. I say it again emphatically. If you let yourself be circumcised, you are obliged to fulfill every single one of the commandments and regulations of the law. If you want to be made right with God by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh. You have cut yourself off from Christ and have fallen away from the revelation of grace. But we have the true hope that comes from being made right with God. And by the Spirit, we wait eagerly for this hope. When you join to the Anointed One, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that works and expresses itself through love. Before you were led astray, you were so faithful who has deceived you so that you have turned from what is right? The one who enfolded you into his grace is not behind this false teaching that you've embraced. Don't you know that when you allow even a little lie into your heart, it can permeate your entire belief system? Deep in my heart, I have confidence that the Lord who lives in you will bring you back around to the truth. And I am convinced that those who trouble you, whoever they think they are, will be, bear the penalty. Dear friends, why do you think the religious system persecutes me? Is it because I preach the message of being circumcised and keeping all the laws of Judaism? Not at all. Is there no longer any offense over the cross? To tell you the truth, I'm so disgusted with all your agitators. I wish they would go even further and cut off their legalistic influence from your lives. Beloved ones, 
God has called us to live a life of freedom. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. For all the law can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor, even as you care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy another. Let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life cravings craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks, Marianne. Thank you. That was Galatians 5. So I'm not going to be sharing about worship as in the song and the music of the church. We know, I think if you've been with us for long enough, you'll know that musical songs and music done by musicians and singers is not worship to God. We know that, we understand that. It is, it is an aspect of our worship to God. So musical worship as a house of 24-7 is a very important, significant thing to us, but we do not elevate it. We do not elevate it because we, we must understand as a house that our worship looks so much more than just singing or putting a CD on in the car and going, Halle, hallelujah. It is so much more than that, and I'll just touch a little bit on that today. But why this passage of Scripture? Because if we don't understand and grasp the freedom that we have as sons and daughters, as a house, if we don't understand the freedom, the, the, the purchase and the price that was paid by Christ for us to live, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I, I, I have died to Christ. I am new. I'm a living, new living creature in Christ. If we don't understand that in our everyday lives, we battle to sustain a life of worship to God because we're always looking over the shoulder. We're always listening to a lie of, hey, you can do better. Oh, I, feel, I, I don't feel so good this week, so I'm not going to really. I'm just going to come in and sit at the back. No offense to the back row, but just or to the side or <laughs> to, to hide a bit because it's been such a week. I mean, how many of us? have had days like that and weeks like that in this, even in the, in the first two months of the year. Galatians, well, how, who's deceived you? Who's bewitched you? Different translations say different things. But who's come in? You were running so well. You know, what, what happened? What caused you to stop obeying the truth, it says? Okay, what, what has come in? Now, now, when we think of the word obey, immediately we think right and wrong, 
Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Ah, I better obey. And, and obeying the truth, obeying is listening and acting upon. It's not about right and wrong and sin. That's been dealt with, guys. Come on. No, I'm not going to go and preach into this. We know this, people. But when it comes to our worship as a house, the collective hearts that come together and posture ourselves in that place of praise and worship to the one, that takes everything. It takes first place. It is everything. So let me just stick to some notes, otherwise we're going to go everywhere. But I do feel today is to minister this word. So I know there's going to be some ministry, so I don't want to labor points too long. So looking and, and being really taken by Paul's manner and his behavior and his, his way with the Galatians, it just sort of went right into my heart and I thought, fast forward to today and look at what's happening worldwide today and in the body of Christ today. And something just gripped me. Let's be ruthless with the truth that we say we believe and actually act on it every day and be ruthless. And I mean, it's like a, what I saw when I was praying early this morning was like a, a, a gear shift, like a, you know, it's like we, we've, got to, um, we've got to embrace this uh, as an as a every minute of the day kind of thing without striving for it. It's, it's believing it and allowing it to work. It's, um, it's being ruthless with the lies that come every day, the thoughts. It's being ruthless with saying, I have the mind of Christ. I, I'm fighting for that today. It's not a striving, but it's a, it's a war. And uh, I, I love it. Um, David says in Psalm 122, I think, he says, I was glad when I came to the house of the Lord. I was glad. They were, they were coming into Jerusalem and through the gates. I mean, they'd been on those journeys where they were sacrificing every six steps, making a sacrifice, worship the Lord. You know how long it must have taken them to get there? And then when he gets there, he says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Is that your Sunday morning heart's cry? Or is it, oh, it's Sunday. Off I go. The band's going to be good. They usually are. <laughs> you know? Uh, worship was good, you know, we've been down that road where we've preached about that. But it's that collective excitement, expe uh, excited, expectant heart of, let's go to the house of the Lord. Let every heart join together. That's why the Bible says, now I'm really all over the place, that don't neglect the gathering of the saints. Not because, oh, I better go once this month so that they know I'm still in and, and the coffee's good. So let me go and have a coffee and say hi, make sure everybody's fine. That's not it. That is like, and I just feel this um, urgency of going beneath the surface um, of things that we've become familiar with. And you, you, that doesn't just come to you and you make the adjustment. Things that come your way, you know, oh, no, I'll just take it as it comes and we'll just see, see what everybody else is doing. I'm saying no today. I'm drawing the line for my own life. I'm going deeper I'm going beneath the surface when it comes to loving one another and looking everyone in the eye because we're so about that, which is the main thing. But he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. So what is worship? Worship is giving him worth. It's worship. We come and give him worth, but we also obey him. 
And obey him, obeying him and obedience is hearing what he's saying and carrying it out. And carrying it out. Seeing what he's saying in the weak. Oh, strengthen the weak hands, hey. And make firm the feeble knee. Okay. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Okay, I'm just reading as I opened there. Now you, you take that and you say, I, I hear that, Lord. I receive that. Now I'm going to carry it through my day. It's, it's a living and active word that's resident in our hearts. But anyway, let's get back to something here. So to talk about the house of God, one should talk about its designer, its architect. It's no good saying, oh, we're 24-7. Wow, people know who we are. It's the wild ones who keep on singing and keep on singing. Oh, they're great musicians and, you know, they're in a little farmhouse. But wow, the worship is amazing. No, it's not about the house. It's not about us. He prepared the way. It's about the designer and the architect, the builder. And by the way, he goes by names like the firm foundation, the cornerstone, the door, whose windows are open. He calls us living stones, but he, he's the architect and designer of the house. He even called himself a door for us to go in, the house of God, the door. And by the way, the windows of heaven are always open. We're under an open heaven. Grace has freed us. Grace has lifted us up out of the snare of religion. It's a snare that uh, we get so caught up in just by hearing things or believing things. No, let's be ruthless. Say to the person next to you, I am a ruthless believer. <laughs> oh, gee, that was... I'm a ruthless believer. Can we shout it out? Shout it out for me, just for me today. I am a ruthless believer. <laughs> See? And so as he calls us living stones in this house, all the hearts that come together, we make up this incredible house of God. But we don't talk about ourselves. We believe who we are in Christ, but we don't talk about ourselves. I think it's in this age, it's important to just keep on talking about him, making much to do about him in everything, in every aspect of our lives, especially when we come together. And we do do that, but we're going to do it even more. Um, I love that in Revelations 21, God says that that's where I'm making my home. That's where I'm making my home. That's where I'm making my home. In man, inside of man, I'm making my home. So inside of me, he's the door. Inside of me, the windows are open. He's the furniture. He's the key in the door. He's everything. He's the firm foundation that the house is built on. He's, there's no ceiling in this house because we just keep going up and up and up. So it's awesome. So he has chosen to make his home in us, in man. So I want you, in light of what um, Tanya read Galatians 5. Just imagine we all took this matter of freedom in Christ to heart, okay? This ruthlessness. Just imagine what this could look like. Where we edify and encourage each other to stay free. Now, when you read Colossians 3, where it says, uh, singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and you go, oh, that's so cool. I, I don't know what that looks like, you know? Imagine me going up to Jamie and 
Hello, Jamie. <laughs> How blessed you are today. <laughs> and so am I. Let's have a coffee and celebrate the Lord. You know, I mean, does it look like that? I don't know. It's a bit weird. <laughs> and I, you know, and oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, now he sidetracked me. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's got to look like something, but it's not weird. It's not weird because others are going to come into this. And if we're all doing that, they're going to go, what? Like, what is that? That's weird. I, they can't relate. I love what Paul says, this ruthless man who does not want to tolerate any other religion or garbage like that anymore. He says, I've learned how to be rich and I've learned to be poor. I've learned to be content with much and with little and to be all things to all men. Okay, that is, that is the posture of our worship to God, is when we are postured correctly and in, um, in humility and obedience to him, we are able to be all things to all people. You just think of your spheres that you work in, that you study in. What does that look like? You can't go in and skip along and sing, I've got a song for you. You know, it, it looks different, but you're all things to all people, and it's powerful. It's powerful. It's sec you're secure in who you are in Christ. Um, so imagine that when we come here, because we all know the truth. We, we know the mystery and the secret. We, we've got a hold of this. That we come together and we love each other, other out of the snare of religion, that I said. Every time we see it happening, it's not criticism and judgment. It's, hey, don't think that. That's not you. You know, that's the encouragement we're to give each other. Imagine that we took on the nature of the builder when we are together. Not just at home, we love our Lord. But when we come together that we actually go, you know, this is such an opportunity. Wow, he is so good. We're making much to do about you, God. And so I want to I be like you. I want to behave like you. And so... One of the things I, I love to talk about, and I really believe it's for this house as we go on, is the kindness of the Lord. That's such a, a characteristic of the Lord that uh, he wants us to take on and to behave in. Uh, possessing his kindness, which leads to repentance. We can all be nice people and be kind. That's by doing kind acts. But the kindness of God is very different. It's very powerful. It's not only friendly and generous and loving, but it's powerful in times of need. Sometimes it's confrontation. Sometimes it's messy, but the kindness of God leads to repentance. And a house with kindness, the world is going to be looking at that house. Okay? Because it's all about Jesus. But if there's a kind house in the region, people are going to know about it. And then being and living like him, of his kind, being a people of similar characteristics and a people with a kindred spirit. Can you see the kindred kind? comes from the word kind. It's the kind. We have a kindred heart. And that we would kindle the fire of his presence for all of mankind. See what I did there? Kind, kindred, kindle. <laughs> Grant? Oof, I don't know. <laughs> Um, I just want to add this in quickly. Uh, in my nature, I'm, if my family knows me and friends, I'm, I'm quite an, uh, the enthusiast. 
I'm enthusiastic about things. So even when things are really tough or actually painful, um, etc., um, I, I do find the positives quickly, maybe more than some others. Uh, I do find, oh, let's make it work. We're going to make this work. We're going to change this around quickly. So I don't, I don't naturally hold grudges very easily and long. Um, it's sort of let's get to the point. And when I was um, thinking about that, uh, in, in what we're going through in this country, especially at this moment, what does the church look like? Are we just going to sit back, like I said before, and just take it as it comes and then make the adjustments? And, but you haven't really been changed you're not going forward. You're just sitting there taking it. And that ruthlessness is actually going, now hold on a second. So I, I just said this. Let's look at the bright side of things. <laughs> That's even funny. <laughs> I just caught it myself now. <laughs> okay, Eskim, we're going to look at the bright side of things. Like Habakkuk 3.4, just quickly. It says, his radiance is like the sunlight. Matthew 17.2 says, his face shone like the sun. Revelations 1.16, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And then 2 Corinthians 4.6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. What have we been saying? Our occupation must be the face of God. And we've been learning about that. When I thought of that, and, and it came to me a couple of years ago, I saw, don't laugh, you know in the toilet signs in a few years back, it either says occupied or vacant. Okay, picture that. So the word occupies to take possession, to seize, to take up, to employ, and to dwell in. So often when you come up to the bathrooms and the mall, they're occupied. The door is locked and someone is in there. So there's something happening. <laughs> but the, the opposite of the word occupy is vacant. And vacant means to remain empty. So if we're not taking occupation in the face of God, our lives are empty because it, everything is useless and meaningless without looking into the fullness of his face, which will shine in our hearts brighter and brighter as the days come to an end. Brighter and brighter and brighter. So I encourage you with that. Look at the bright side of things. And so back to worship, uh, our friend Izzy from Australia, she said this quote, When we surrender in gratitude and awe, we face the fullness. And the spilling is in the filling, face to face. The spilling, how we love and do good, righteous acts to one another, how we love one another is in the filling, face to face. So I'll say it again, when we surrender in gratitude, that's why I love today singing, give thanks. <laughs> I was going to say, how great. Give thanks. It's so powerful. We come into his presence giving thanks. 
and with gratitude and awe, we face the fullness, the finished work of the cross, the freedom. We face that. We face freedom himself. And we are freed from every lie and every thing, every obsolete law, every, everything that has been um, completed by Christ. We stand in. And so we see that in his fullness and in his face. It's so powerful. And I just love the simplicity of the word. Sometimes as you read scripture, I just see two words that go boom, and it's got a full stop. And it's, uh, it's, as we gather together and see these things, sometimes I'm reading these, worship God. That's all it says. Worship God. Um, obey him, or, you know, that kind of thing. And it is in the simplicity. We don't need to extrapolate and to try and... Uh, What's that word? Deconstruct everything. Some, so the truth is just there. The truth is there. And if he says worship God, then I say, all right, today, let's worship God. Okay, what does that mean today, Lord? Uh, obey you. Okay, obey you. Or love one another. Simple. Simple. So when we keep it simple like this and we worship God this way, it demystifies something. It demystifies what we thought worship should look like. It demystifies man's elevation of the gifts. We're seeing that more and more and more in the body of Christ. Unfortunately, we're not, we're not judging, we're not criticizing, but man is elevating gifts all around, you just see it happening. My heart gets sore when, when you're listening to things and you think, they have, haven't mentioned you, Jesus, and it's all about you, and I haven't heard your name, like one bit here. What's going on, you know? And then you read, oh, on the last days, the love of many will grow cold, and the gifts will be elevated, and so, you know? So that's what's going to happen. But worshiping God simply and obeying the truth and not falling away or... or um, or allowing things to come in to knock you off the path that you're running on. It demystifies all of that. And on that note, I want to say that 24-7 is a robust church. You're robust. I mean, there's a lot of people away today. But we are a robust church. And I want you to say that over yourselves in the week. I am robust. The love of God for me enables me to love in a robust way. It's not a selfish way. It's not how I'm feeling at the time. It's a robust kind of love. We're a loving, worshiping church. And we're able to be all things to all men so that, that others may know Christ. A worshiping church does not think more highly of herself than she ought to. We don't think more highly of ourselves because maybe we worship longer than any other church I know in Joburg. We don't think more highly of ourselves. We humble ourselves in that because it is all about Jesus. It's not about how long. And wow, we broke through. We have this. We sing songs in the Spirit for ages. It's not about that. If there's no love, there's nothing powerful about it. So I want to just demystify something here also. The prophets. Because you see, if, you, if you're observing and you're looking around, you're seeing gifts are being elevated. Prophets are, being, are coming, emerging. 
and being elevated and other fivefold gifts. But these gifts are serving gifts. These gifts are edifying gifts by the way of love. So let's not put those things on a pedestal. Let's put Jesus where he is meant to be. Anything else is flesh and false. And what God is doing now, he's pouring out new wine for a new wineskin, and it looks different. So although, you know, we've had prophetic words over the years of this house being such a safe house for prophets, it's been prophesied over us. It's a safe house for the prophetic. And so over the years, we've had many prophetic um, sons and daughters coming through, and uh, they feel safe, and they feel they can just share, and they can just speak, and we've allowed that. There's been a graciousness in the eldership over the years for that, and we do honor that. We, we do love that. But although we are that safe place, we only welcome prophecy because it's the testimony of Jesus, not a platform to, ta-da, look at me. I've been in the Word this week, and I've got this, and oh, wow. You know, what you preach today... I got on Thursday. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Look at me. I can hear God before you even preach. You know what I mean? We don't walk around talking like that, but we may feel that in our hearts sometimes. So I just want to demystify the prophetic. Why? Because God wants to open this area in the life of this church in a greater way, in a greater measure. And we ain't seen nothing yet. Um. So as we experience this greater measure that is about to come of the prophetic nature of Jesus and, and as we release that, we as a people will bear the marks and the characteristics and we will have the language on our tongues of the one who made the way. We don't make the way in worship. Jesus makes the way. We don't make a way as a prophet or a prophetess in this, in this hour. We don't make the way. Jesus makes the way. And so... It's so important in this hour to keep humble, to stay humble. God doesn't humble you. You have to humble yourself. And that posture is so beautiful and so worshipful before the Lord. So I'm, I'm going to just minister a little bit on a f couple of things. And if you are, how are we doing for time, Grant? Are we okay? Okay, 20 minutes. Um, there are a few people away today, but I, those of you who are here, it's amazing that you've come to the house of the Lord today. So I just want to, I want to point out some things and then just release over you because the freedom, it's, it's going back to Galatians 5, it's whatever we are doing in our lives, it's to embrace this freedom and to live in it and to be convinced of it so much that when the lie comes, we've actually stopped it before it's gone in, you know, or if we're hearing, we've stopped it. We just, we're ruthless about that. So I just want to start off by saying, song, musical song leaders in this house, and I know there's only a few here today, I want you to stand. If you're a singer, if you're a musician, if you're an artist, if you're a dancer, just stand. If you're a painter, if you're a writer, if you're a photographer, 
uh, photographers are somehow in this room, some are out. If you're a movie maker, <laughs> songwriters, if you are a homemaker, homemakers who maybe their families have grown up and moved out, but you have been a homemaker all your life, please stand because God wants to touch you. So homemakers, those who have sewed and baked and cooked and looked after their children, yes, yes. <laughs> Teachers, bankers, finance people, people in construction, people in health and nutrition, people who are prayers and intercessors. Is there anyone else sitting? Because... Please don't sit. <laughs> I'm trying to cover all my bases. <laughs> Just stand. Okay. Furniture making, designers, architects, um, everybody. I want you to stand and I want you to lift your hands and just, just stay in a posture of receiving because I just felt this morning that there's an activation of joy. There's an activation of joy that wants to come. I mean, we're not going to linger here too much, but I just want to release joy over you from my right, which is your left, right now, all the people right up by the window in the back, yes, joy in the front, all the way through, in the middle, all the way through, it's like God's doing a Mexican wave, <laughs> all the people in the back, in the front, the joy is coming, because joy gives us strength, come on. Come on, everybody, all the way to my left, your right, outside, yes, all the children, everyone serving. I just want to, if you ask you to stay like that for a moment. We had, as a house, we've had prophecies when we birthed the church 18 years ago, and the prophecies were, there's a time coming when you're going to receive many young people with tattoos, long beards, long hair, skinny legs. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and we thought, but Lord, you've given us 20 people over the age of 65. Okay, we believe we went after that. And then when we began to see it, we just praised God at the promise of his word, but we haven't seen anything yet. Because that word is still living and active. Still living and active. There's a new generation that is coming who have more tattoos by the age of 18 than we would ever have in our lifetime. They, they think a different way. And the church, we must be open. They, some of them don't even know who they are. If they're male or female, how are we going to be? How are we going to act and look at someone where you actually don't know what gender they are? How are we going to be? Let the kindness of God, just receive the kindness of God for the world, for the lost, right now. A few weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, I woke up. And it's what we call a waking dream. A waking dream, but there was a song attached to it. And I woke up, and I was not thinking about it. I didn't read the story in the Bible about it. But I woke up with a song 
that said, come down, come down, come down from the sycamore tree. Come down, come down, for I'm coming to your house for tea. What story is that? Zacchaeus. I wasn't thinking about Zacchaeus. I thought, what, what am I to do with that, Lord? And he said, come down from your tree, like Zacchaeus. Stop observing everybody, what everybody's doing. Observing from afar. Come down and let me come into your house and inhabit it. We inhabit. These are words that you know the church used to use years ago. We used to sing songs about the habitation and come and inhabit your praises, and we don't even know what we're talking about. I just feel it's a, it's a word for now. It's a song for now. It's a waking dream for now. Come down. Come down from the sycamore tree where you have everything you need, but you're just observing because you are interested, but you're just observing from afar. And let him come to your house. So we're a house that worships in spirit and truth. And we're a people who know like they know. And we have no doubt of the finished work of the cross. The once and for all act on the cross. I want you to settle that. Just think about that. The finished work of the cross. And let it settle again, fresh and real. And we're a people who know where we are positioned in Christ. We're seated in heavenly places with Jesus. And when we know where we're positioned, we know how to posture ourselves. And so our posture as a house is not familiarity, but a humbly bowing posture. A person may look familiar, but you don't know them. How many times have you come across someone and you go, oh, you are so familiar, but I, I don't know you, but you're so familiar. If God is known, you will worship him. If he looks familiar, you'll pass him by. And many people are looking and saying, God is familiar. I know he is. So I probably should be at church. You know, People are thinking that way. He's familiar, I know. I went to Sunday school when I was little. But when you know God, you worship him. And so we worship God because we know him. And I want you to settle that because when you settle that and you come into alignment with that, every other stupid lie of religion and um, striving to be more, uh, striving to do the right thing all the time, that is that's been made obsolete. It's no longer. It's a filthy rag. And God, we want to be like Paul, who would not tolerate it in his own life and in the lives of others. Be convinced and be sure. Don't let's just take what's coming to us and adapt to it. But be diligent. So I just release a diligence on us as a house today. A diligence to be ready in season and in out. Because I want to, God showed me this a year or two ago in the Kruger Park. <laughs> and he said, you know, if you're ready in season and in out, you're ready. You're not thinking about anything else. You're just ready to, to share the gospel. You're just ready to love on someone. You're, you're ready to do good things. You're just ready. You're in that posture. Not to strive or to be anything important. 
but you're just ready in season and out. And so everything else is, is secondary. And he, we're seeking first the kingdom, aren't we? So be ready in season and out of season. We've used that in the context of preaching the word. I want you to use it in the context of life. Be ready as a believer in season and and out. And so I had a, a little vision, well, not a little, little vision, but a vision last night. And I saw, a, um, I saw people in a house and we were like scurrying around, if we can use that word, because there were papers and people were tidying up and, and were busy. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But there was a knock on the door. And we were so caught up with, oh, you could hear the knock on the door, but you're just running around, scurrying around, making things look okay. But it just didn't seem to look okay. It just never did look okay and right. But there was still a knocking on the door. But we were so the, the people were so preoccupied with the running around, trying to get everything, that the, the knocking on the door became dull. It's like it kept on knocking. But it was dull, and we got caught up with, oh, my gosh, I must get to that. I must do this. I must do that. And I just believe that's just a, a little wake-up call, actually, to say he's at the door knocking all the time. He's, he's come in. He is at the door. But let him knock loudly and, and hear and obey the knocking, if I can say it that way. Obey the knocking. Respond to the knocking. Don't, don't let the other things, you know, it might be, a, oh, I know that knock, it's Jesus, he wants time with me. Um, I'll get to that. I'm telling you now, like what Damien said with that testimony about his dad, things are happening now. <laughs> you know, you've prayed for things for a long time, and when the things happen now, pay attention and go, oh my gosh, yes, we celebrate with it. I know your dad, you know, and I just like, uh, I'm so excited for that, and that he wants to do that in every single life. Like religion is powerless when we stand in the freedom that Christ purchased for us. It is powerless. It has no hold. It, has, it is no snare. And if we live like this, the children that stood here this morning and, and all the others in this church, they are going to walk in the freedom that we are called to as a house. So let's set it up for them, you know, as well as yourselves. <clears throat> so... Yeah, I'm going to stop there and just say, let's love the Lord. Put your hand on your heart. Say, let's love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And love each other like you love yourself. Oh, I don't really love myself all the time. I'm not in a good place. It's been a week. No, just remember, we love because he first loved us. So just as Courtney plays, just settle some things with the Lord this morning and just realign our hearts.